0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the game changers, oh, I tell you, you're in the right place, and I mean it because it's always absolutely true. Let's see what's on the docket today. Oh, my goodness, what a buzz I have for you. I'm going to quote Amy Poehler in her book, her first book, Yes, Please?, Quote, I want to be around people that dream and support and do things. I love that quote. Got to get the book. So let me tell you a little bit about our topic today. 46% of U.S. privately held firms are at least half owned by women. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I said. At least half owned by women and represent almost 16 million jobs. That's a lot of employment. But here's the caveat. Well, female entrepreneurship is on the rise, and that's a good thing. Businesses owned by men are three and a half times more likely to reach one million dollars in annual revenues. Now, if you're back in the boomer age like I am, a million dollars a year sounds like a heck of a lot of money. But as businesses go, that's kind of just inching up there to where I think you're a really, really viable business. So only 2% of U.S. women owned businesses get to that cliff of a million dollars a year. What's going on? Why aren't more of them? It's on the rise, but why aren't more of them successful? What resources do they need? What leadership skills are they lacking or in which they don't have enough confidence? What strengths do female startups need? What kinds of networking do they need and support and friends and good advice in order to scale to their full potential? The, the bottom line here is that we know they have full potential. We know they can do it. What's going on? What's holding them back? We're not talking about a glass ceiling. Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out from my three panels in a minute. We're talking about they've got everything it takes, but they're still not getting there. So today we're going to be talking about female entrepreneurship, overcoming the hurdles. We have three experts on the panel. One is in the trenches, actually doing this and living the life. We're going to be speaking first with Carrie McPherson. She is at EY and she is the senior professional in Ernst & Young's financial services office and she is involved with their female entrepreneurship of the year program. We'll talk to Carrie in just a moment about that. We're welcoming Kat Vorotova, the co-founder and CEO of Try the World. Put that into your browser, kids, T-R-Y-T-H-E world.com, the fastest growing online retailer of specialty food. Kat is representing the female entrepreneur we're discussing today. She's going to talk to us about what it means to be there and do that and be very, very successful. And welcoming our third panelist, Dr. Patty Fletcher. Patty, as many of you know, is the sponsor of her own series with me on Game Changers Radio called Changing the Game with HR and I'm thrilled to announce that she's coming back and renewing for another season next year Patty is a gender equity advocate at SAP Success Factors. she's an entrepreneur in residence at Babson College, she's an angel investor, Patty I'm trying to get it all in here, at Astia in, in Angel, she's a monthly contributor to the Huffington Post and once in a while she sleeps and the rest of the time she travels around doing her advocacy thing for women in business and gender equity and inclusion, so let's get started. I'm pleased to welcome Carrie McPherson at EY and Kerry has sent us a quote from President Barack Obama on his visit to Nairobi, Kenya in July 2015 at the GES, that's the Global Entrepreneurship Summit. Let me just tell you, the summit was the sixth annual gathering of entrepreneurs at all stages of business development. That includes business leaders, mentors, and high-level government officials demonstrating the U.S. government's continued commitment to fostering entrepreneurship around the world. Here's the quote from Barack Obama. Women are powerhouse entrepreneurs. The research shows that when women entrepreneurs succeed, they drive economic growth and invest more back into their families and communities. Carrie McPherson loved the quote. How are you, Carrie? I'm terrific, Bonnie. Um, thanks for thanks joining so much us. For, for that quote. I do think it's,
1: uh, it's an important one and something that people are starting to sit up and take notice of. When we launched EY Entrepreneurial Winning Women um, nine years ago, It was a bit of a novelty, and there wasn't a lot of focus on female entrepreneurship. And since that time, there are many programs that have sprung up. Um, As you said at the outset, our program focuses on women who are past the startup stage. They're successful business owners. They're in that top 2% where they've achieved at least a million dollars a year in revenue. And we set about to connect them with one another, with people in the entrepreneurial community, with sources of financing. And our work over the last nine years has showed that there are really five things that women need to do to really scale their businesses. First and foremost, they need to think big and be bold. Uh, and many of the women who come through the Entrepreneurial Winning Women program say that they had no idea how big big could be until they started working with us. We talk about establishing advisory networks and communities. Um, We talk about building a public profile. We focus on getting them to work on the business rather than in it. Though Your listeners who are entrepreneurs themselves know that you start out being the chief of everything. And over Mm -hmm. time, it's important to get to a point where you hire others to do the stuff that you don't need to do, and focus on that which only you can do, which for most entrepreneurs is probably either going to be sales or invention. Uh, And then finally, we encourage them to think about looking at sources of external financing for growth. Bootstrapping is great, um, but you will reach a point where bootstrapping constrains your growth. And so we tell the entrepreneurial winning women that looking at external financing is critical for growth and success.
0: Thank you very much, Carrie. Great introduction to our topic, and I'm so pleased that you quoted President Obama for so many v- various reasons. Thank you very much. And now I'd like to welcome somebody you introduced us to. She is Kat Vorotova. Anybody want to look her up? Kat is K-A-T, and Vorotova is V-O-R-O-T-O-V-A, woman with a lot of energy, passion, and great ideas, co-founder and co-CEO of Try the World. And Kat has sent us a quote from a lady named Reshma Sojani. In her recent TED talk, let me tell you who Reshma is. She's a founder, the founder, and CEO of an organization called Girls Who Code. She's an American lawyer and politician. She was previously the deputy public advocate of the Office of the New York City Public Advocate. Here's a couple of interesting things about Reshma. She was the first Indian American woman and the first South African. Asian-American woman to run for Congress. Unfortunately, here in New York, she lost the 2010 Democratic primary for the House of Representatives in New York's 14th Congressional District. She also ran as a Democrat for New York City Public Advocate in 2013. So she's a woman who's out there being brave and out speaking what's on her mind. And here's the wonderful quote Kat has selected from Reshma. Quote, teach girls bravery, not perfection. Kat Vorotova. We are so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you, Kat? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on the show. Oh, Kat, it's a, it's a privilege. We want to talk to you about so many things. I know this is a roundtable discussion, and we're going to keep going between you and Carrie and our third guest, Patty Fletcher, but I, I certainly want to know a little bit about what makes you tick. So first, tell me... How did you find this quote teach girls bravery not perfection? What is this significance of this to you in your world of try the world as an entrepreneur?
3: Yeah, I mean, great question. So, first of all, the, I found it through a TED Talk and I thought it was very it resonated with me as an entrepreneur because in the startup world, it's all about taking risks and seeing if it works. Aiming for perfection typically never works. It just takes too long to release the product if you're trying to Uh, Do it totally right. You're going to make mistakes, and it's all about being okay with failure and learning from it. So I think what she was saying is that, you know, little girls are taught to sit pretty, get all A's, whereas little boys are taught to climb high and swing hard. So we're socializing our girls to play it safe, and as a result women are less likely to take these bigger risks, and they gravitate towards careers that they know they're going to be good at. So for women entrepreneurs, it's all about thinking big about your business and actually considering raising capital uh, in order to grow it faster. So I'm happy to talk about that. Um, So for me, it really resonated because thinking big does take a bit of bravery.
0: All right, Kat, let's reflect this back on you. How long ago did you come up with the idea of try the world and how, on a scale of one to 10, how brave were you to even put the thought, the vision into reality, into execution and make it happen? What's your your bravery quotient, would you say? So
3: I came up with the idea back in 2012. And actually, it came out naturally out of my passion for food and travel um, as a strategy consultant. I traveled a lot for work uh, internationally as well as uh, locally in the U.S. And I actually just started a food blog documenting my adventures. And I was getting feedback and emails from uh, people across the United States saying that they were curious about international cuisine and um, they wished they could try it, but they actually didn't have access to it. So, that planted a seed in my mind uh, for creating a platform to deliver products in a very convenient and effective way to people across across the world. Um, so with that idea, I actually went to business school, and that's where I met uh, my co-founder, and we brainstormed on what could be an effective platform for that. We actually got accepted to an incubator at Google, and that's when I really started to think this was potentially viable. It's not just an idea, a dream of a different kind of world where it's easy to get these kinds of products and and, um, um, the system works differently. Uh, With that kind of support of a program, I was actually able to see a potential in the business. And so at the same time, I was actually still working full-time and doing this. So it was actually a big decision for me to leave my full-time job and pursue an entrepreneurial career. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, this is, you know, this is a risky take, and it's a big decision because you're probably not going to make the same amount of money as you were making before. You're probably going to encounter a lot of challenges, and and so for me, I th- it was a really big decision, and I'm so glad I made it. And I want to encourage more women to go into entrepreneurship, and I want to
0: make sure that they have the support that they might need in their journeys. Thank you, Kat. Very eloquent. We'll be speaking a lot more with you during the rest of the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Very, very excited for you, about you, and by you. And uh, your passion is something we need to to tell people tell women about that bravery. So let's bring on our third panelist waiting so patiently in the wings. We love having Patty Fletcher on the show. And Patty, as I said, is at SAP Success Factors, at Astia Angel at the Huffington Post at Babson College, and she managed to find a few minutes to join us today. And Patty sent us a quote from Tina Fey. I didn't know Tina Fey's full name, Patty. I just looked it up. It's Elizabeth Stamatina. Tina Fey, born 1970, woohoo! American actress, comedian, writer, producer, known for her work on NBC sketch comedy series SNL, Saturday Night Live, and her impression of former Alaska governor and 2008 VP candidate in the U.S., Sarah Palin, and for creating the acclaimed TV series 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, as well as her starring role in so many movies, I will not tell you what they are. And here's the quote Patty has selected, another great one. I'm unstoppable because I don't know how to stop. Patty Fletcher, you stopped long enough to check in with us. How are you, Patty?
4: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, delighted. Always glad. I'm so excited you're going to renew your series for next year. You got some great great guests and topics lined up for us for changing the game the game changing with HR. <laughs>
4: we sure do. Yep, really, really excited.
0: Good. So talk to me. I think Tina Fey copied this quote from you, Patty Fletcher. I'm unstoppable because I don't know. I think Tina Fey just co-opted it from you. She plagiarized it. So tell me, how did you pick this quote for our topic today, Overcoming Hurdles as a Female Entrepreneur?
4: Yeah, you know, it's really, really funny listening to to Kat and and to Carrie. These are three of my favorite topics, female high-growth entrepreneurs, food, and travel. This is going to be the perfect show. Um, So the Tina Fey quote, it was either that one or... I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. And, you know, Kat, I think you're, you're living proof of one of the, the things that high-growth entrepreneurs hold as a badge of honor is that they're just a little crazy, and they figured out a way to get <laughs> comfortable with being uncomfortable, and they just can't stop because they are so very purpose-driven. They are goal-driven, especially female entrepreneurs who I've studied. And so that's why I, I've taken this. This quote, you know, they figure out there's all sorts of barriers that I'm sure we'll get into today that female entrepreneurs face, that male entrepreneurs do not, this is all about access, and they keep going because they believe in what they're doing, and how can you not love that?
0: Absolutely, Patty. Very interesting. Uh, Patty, you invest. You're an angel investor at the company known as Astia. Uh, Do you look for people with the passion that Kat has expressed to us on the show today and that you've seen in in her work at Try the World? Is this one of the core values you look for in people in whom you want to invest your money?
4: Yeah, I invest in teams. I I think most angels will, will say that, right? So you're you're looking at who the team is, what is their vision, to Carrie's point, is it big enough, is it a viable option, but make no mistake, investors are are not <laughs> just about investing, As my good friend Adam Quinton, who's a, a really wonderful VC and, and a fellow Astia angel, will tell you, investors are in the make money business, so... The the way you make money is through that founder and through the team that that they put together. So seeing that passion, thinking big, and not necessarily the confidence because that only comes from experience and entrepreneurs by their very definition, as Kat will tell you, you're always doing something you haven't done before, but it's about competence. You'll figure it out. You have the tools, whether it's the people you know or the
0: stuff that, that you know yourself, and that is absolutely what I look for. Thank you very much, Patty. Pleasure to have you on. Good conversation so far, and now I'm going to get a little up close and personal with my three guests, Carrie McPherson, circling back around the table to you. We'd love to know where you're calling from today, because we are live here. It is, when is it? November 16th. Really? That's impossible. I'm going on record. It's impossible. I don't know where the year has gone. Carrie, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking right now, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Go ahead. Um, I'm calling you from Palm Springs, California. Um, we're
1: here at Strategic Growth Forum, which brings together about 2,300 of the best entrepreneurs and people involved in entrepreneurship around, um, around the U.S. and around the world. And um, in terms of it being November, they're talking about it being cool here tonight. It might go down to 50 um, in terms of um, what I'm drinking, because it is shortly after 8 in the morning Pacific time, I'm not actually having a glass of champagne, but I will be raising a glass of Veuve Clicquot later today to Kat um, Boratova, who's on the line with us, and the other 13 recipients of the 2016 EY Entrepreneurial Winning Women class. We'll be introducing them tomorrow um, at Strategic Growth Forum, and so this is A day for great celebration
0: about all things um, wonderful related to women and entrepreneurs. Thank you, Carrie. That sounds like a wonderful gala. I appreciate that very much. And and to you as well, thank you for taking time out to join us. And now, Kat, I can't wait to hear what you're drinking. But first, where are you calling from? You who have the access to specialty foods, probably specialty drinks all over the world. We want to know what's your favorite. But where are you right now, Kat?
3: (laughs) Yes, I'm actually, like Carrie, I'm also in Palm Springs, California, right now for the Strategic Growth Forum. Uh, as you mentioned, we will be having a, a ceremony for the uh, EY Entrepreneurial uh, Winning Women today. Uh, and I will be drinking champagne later tonight, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, as for right now, I'm actually, like you mentioned, drinking uh, something from Try the World. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. drinking a Moroccan minty. I'm really into teas, and I get to taste so many of them, and this one is my favorite at the moment.
0: You know, the coincidence is sometimes just blow me away. Uh, We had a panelist on yesterday's show. What was yesterday's show? Startup Focus with Game Changers. And uh, her name is Kathy Hahn, and she's the founder of a company called 42, 42 Technologies. Patty, you may know of her. And she provides uh, analytic software to particularly the fashion retail industry. She's a startup who has gone through the SAP Startup Focus program. And she said in all of her travels, and she had just taken the red eye from Seattle to New York, landed in New York, and she was going looking for a moroccan mint tea because it was her favorite cat i can't believe the coincidence i'm gonna have to tell her to find it, it must through be a your
3: friend
0: it must be it must be a couple of weeks ago it was a katapa pride tea from kenya people were talking about a couple months ago this summer now we're gonna have to talk about moroccan mint tea i'm gonna have to tell kathy <laughs> to check out try the world we'll get you some business there thank you very much <laughs> sounds delicious and patty are you sitting down somewhere or are you on a plane somewhere right now <laughs>
4: I'm sitting down. Uh, Today I am in Houston. I'm (laughs) drinking coffee because right after this I'm rushing out the door to go talk to um, a bunch of prospects and customers from SAP about business beyond bias. And then I'm hopping on a plane to go to Tampa because tomorrow is National Board Diversity Day and I am going to uh, the uh, 2020 Women on Boards event in Tampa.
0: Busy, busy lady. That's the way we like our people here. That's what we all are. Thank you so much. Carrie McPherson, Kat Voratova, Dr. Patty Fletcher, and my special guests. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. And if you're keeping track, as I am just for the heck of it, this is episode number 257. We do about 48 episodes a year. Can't push it any harder than that. 48 live episodes a year. We're almost at the end of our broadcast year, and I'll have some exciting news at the end of the show. Our topic today is a very special one. and dear to all of us, and I believe to all of you around the world, our global listeners, Female Entrepreneurs Overcoming Hurdles. What does it take to get them propelled to the top of that leaderboard, if you will, to take a a little thought from Dancing with the Stars, and that may be what we should have called this episode is Dancing with the Stars, Getting Women Entrepreneurs to the Top of the Leaderboard. I like that one, actually. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I will be right back, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. One minute will be gone, and you better be there when we're back. Michael out.
2: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. You can send an email to Bonnie.com.
0: Indeed. Let's get back. We're talking about female entrepreneurs overcoming the hurdles. What will it take to get more of them in that top earning group? Get them on that leaderboard. Speaking today with Carrie McPherson at EY, Kat Kar- Vorotova at Try the World, and Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest. When I say that, my mother always says, if he's earnest, is he sincere? We'll leave that one alone. Mom's going to be 100 in 11 weeks, by the way. We're planning a very good, Gala family party for her. Woohoo! Okay, Carrie McPherson told me in her notes before the show as of 2012, women owned firms made up 36.2% of all non farm businesses classified by gender. That's up from 29.6% in 2007. Carrie, why don't you tell us what the importance of these statistics are and, and run with it from there, please? Listen,
1: I think, Bonnie, what's really important is this. Um, women are uh, starting and owning businesses in every facet of our economy. They are um, building jobs. They're building wealth. They're changing communities. So when I look at the entrepreneurial winning women, we have women like Kat who are um, using the Internet and accessible, accessibility of goods worldwide to create innovative experiences for people here at home. We have people in the healthcare industry, we have women whose companies are solving um, or building cures for Alzheimer's, we have um, lots of lots of high-tech. So I think there was a perception maybe a decade ago where women who became entrepreneurs were were doing it for sort of lifestyle reasons. They wanted better balance and that sort of thing and in fact these women are rocking the world. They are innovative, they are changing things, they're building jobs, they're building communities, and we couldn't be more proud to be able to um, recognize their achievements and connect them in with the entrepreneurial ecosystem to
0: help them grow even faster. Thank you, Carrie. Let's get Cat in on us. Cat, what are your thoughts about this growth we're seeing and the fact that it's on the rise? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that's great, and I, and I think, as, um, as Carrie mentioned, I think technology is leveling the playing field for women um, today. It requires less capital to start certain types of businesses, and so women are able to uh, start these businesses. Also, we're seeing that more women are graduating from college and graduate school programs um, than men, actually, in the United States, so many of them are selecting entrepreneurship as a career option sometimes right out of school. Sometimes they're exploring it while in school, and I think it's a great place to explore uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, there are many resources now, and, and several schools around the country focus on entrepreneurship, and they have specific initiatives to support it. Uh, so I think some of that is contributing to this trend.
0: Thank you very much. Patty, let's get you in on the thoughts about the statistics. Are they moving in the right direction, and are they moving fast enough?
4: You know, just just looking at the number of women, yes, absolutely. Um, There is growth there. Absolutely see it. I would argue that entrepreneurship is a state of mind, (laughs) not necessarily a career choice. Um, And so you can be an entrepreneur in a a large company, for example. But in terms of startup founders, yes, I think that we we understand as the entrepreneurial ecosystem that we weren't necessarily looking in all the right places. So while certainly there are more women who are self-identifying as entrepreneurs, that's not really where the challenge is. The challenge is in the ecosystem that supports them. We still have awful numbers when it comes to that external investment that, that Carrie was talking about. So while the rise is there, um, the, the money to support, the power and influence to support
0: is really where the struggle is. Thank you very much. Carrie, anything you want to add to this before I move on to some topics from Cat's notes? You know, I think
1: I think Patty is right. I think these numbers need to move a lot faster, mm-hmm. and I think that there needs to be greater recognition that um, women in business um, are a force to be reckoned with. Um, I think also that when you look at the investment community, there's still an astonishingly low percentage of investment that goes to women-owned companies or women-led companies. And, you know, I think we need to issue a challenge to the investment community. All the studies show that women-owned businesses have rates of return that are at least as good as those uh, other companies, and in many instances they're better. So, you know, as a a general partner in a fund, it seems to me that if you're not investing in women-owned companies, you're probably not fulfilling your fiduciary duties as well as you could. Because these companies have the leaders, the capability, the ideas to really go places. And that's where the money should be going.
0: Thank you very much. I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench into this conversation before we move on to some great points from Kat. I'm a fan of Shark Tank on TV. Patty's probably heard me say this before. And I noticed that when a female entrepreneur comes on with great energy and beautiful samples of whatever she's manufactured or sewn or cooked or created. I'm not being not being gender biased here by say, but that's very often what they have. I I'm making these products for babies or I found this great thing for the crib or I I want women to have better choices for uh, what they wear when they go to bed and it's gonna help them sleep better, whatever. Uh the first thing that the sharks say is, and Kat, this you'll appreciate this, are you doing this full-time? Did you quit your job? Uh, is this just a hobby? Are you really serious about the business? Oh, you have five children and you got a husband and you're running a farm in your spare time and you got a full-time job in the big city, but are you giving this everything or is this just going to be a hobby? Anybody want to react to that? Is, that? is that a helpful statement or is that a, a very negative, biased statement? Anybody want to dive in on that, please? Well, let's, let's just go straight at the issue. That, that's
1: not a question you would ask a guy. <laughs>
0: um, amen to that
1: so it's, it's not yep. a relevant question it's not an appropriate question um i think i think the question are you doing this full-time is fair because okay. yeah, as an investor you want to know that the leader in whom you're investing is going all in but for all the rest of it totally inappropriate and frankly i think it's irrelevant
3: anybody else i, I would agree with the, i would agree yep. with that uh one of the inappropriate questions that I've gotten many times is actually whether my co-founder and I were in a relationship, which we're not. Uh, but we keep getting this question, um, ah. or or at least in the beginning uh, with you know earlier stages, we were getting this question a lot. And also people were asking about the co-founder, co-CEO situation, who's actually making the decisions. And I thought that was an, a, a little bit inappropriate. Uh, of course, we answered it in a very mature way we just we described our roles in the business you know focusing more on the marketing and co- consumer experience whereas his background uh, enables them to focus more on the supply and the product uh, part of the business which are equally important and that we make decisions together on strategy financing etc
0: but that definitely came up quite a few times thank you good reality check there patty i'm sure you have something to add to this yeah, I mean it,
4: there there is absolutely <laughs> bias
0: um when it comes
4: to questioning women, are you going to have a baby? Um how are you going to balance it all? It's it's awful. It's it's bad. I will say though to the to the co CEO um relationship, I would ask that of a man as well. Um I would want to know how decisions are being made. That's that's just part of it. Would I ask exclusively a man or a woman? No. That's just something I would ask as an investor. That's important for me to understand. Um, but yeah, I, it's, um, we, <laughs> we see it all the time, right? And mm-hmm. we see all the reports. And unfortunately, those kinds of sexist questions, let's call them what they are, um, are certainly still around. The unfortunate thing is I also see female investors asking those questions. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, disappointing.
0: Yes, I would ask the man if he's planning to have a baby anytime soon. Because mm-hmm. a lot of they might be planning to stay home with the baby and and focus on a business. They might be fifty uh, percent of the household chores. It might be a very divided and equal marriage where they're going to have more things to do when they become a father. So I think it's a, a fair question in the interest of yeah. What are your plans for the near future? Let's move on. Thank you all for answering that. Kat Vorotova, I'm looking at your notes. So many good points here. I'm just going to run off a few of them and ask you to just put them all together. Uh, you talk about the most common challenges facing women entrepreneurs include low access to capital. We've talked about that. But then you add lack of access to influential networks. That's one. Underestimating their own potential. Very important, too. Number three, Too much involvement in business operations, not enough in developing the business, and number four, lingering gender bias. So, Kat, can you run us through all of these, or do you want to pick one or two of your favorites? love to hear from you.
3: Sure. I mean, let's start with lack of access to influential networks and and female business role models. Um, Right now, I think statistics say that only 5% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women Uh, The percentage of women in senior management roles is only 18%. So overall, the statistics are pointing towards a lack of uh, business role models. Um, For me, I think I had a unique situation where I was very fortunate and benefited a lot from my previous work experience where uh, the leader of our uh, global strategy uh, group was actually a woman, and uh, she created a very inclusive and diverse team And I benefited a lot from that. I think I also benefited a lot from the fact that my sister, my older sister, is an entrepreneur, so I actually had this very close
4: Mm -hmm.
3: uh, role model uh, that inspired me to take risks as well. And for me, I think it's great to read about other successful women, but it's not enough. I think it's important to actually meet them in person, to be able to ask them questions, to see how they actually did it. So what I try to do is speak on panels, uh, you know, go to entrepreneurship classes and actually share my story, and a lot of
0: women end up calling me back and asking for advice. And I think that's that's very important and helped a lot. Thank you very much. Very interesting, Patty. You want to chime in on some of this? All good points from Cat, please. Yeah, these are all fantastic points, Cat. And I I love
4: that you turned that to what am I doing to help role model and share stories versus what do I need from others. I think that is absolutely fantastic um, so I think all of these are really important so I'm, not only am I an ASTIA angel I'm also on the board of ASTIA which is a global nonprofit organization 5,000 people men and women pretty 50-50 um, from the entrepreneurial ecosystem around the globe that are focused in on not increasing the representation of women in high growth entrepreneurship but getting them funded which is really really important and one of the reasons I've stuck with Astia for so long, I've been on their board um, now in my second term, is because, to Kat's point earlier, you know, it's not about perfection. It's really about progress, right? And you get there from bravery. And what women are, are told, and I've been to countless um, well-meaning organizations that are, mm-hmm. are looking for folks like Kat, and what they do is they tend to help them perfect the pitch. When really, when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's not really just about what you know or who you know. It's about who knows you. And so tapping into who are those networks, and we don't have those kinds of relationships with influencers, relationships with um, people who hold the money and the power. That's a, a huge challenge. And so what we do at Aftia and what I talk about with um, the, the entrepreneurs and the accelerator at WinLab at Babson is all about getting to get people to know you and the right people, right? So it's a lot of the stuff that Carrie talked about with brand, with building those right relationships. It's really critical, and the only way you get that is when people are advocating for you when you're not in the room. And it's very, very important. It's just as important to focus in on those people who are going to get you to whatever finish lines that you have in place as it is to perfect um, your powerpoints around where you 're going, why you should invest, how an investor would would make money from you, and Thanks. by the way, developing those mm-hmm. relationships will help you perfect that pitch. People are going to tell you what you need to be focusing in on
1: extremely you, you know Patty, I think those points are really good and it's it 's really interesting to me. Um, one of the things that has been an unexpected and really important benefit of entrepreneurial winning women has been the community that's been formed. So nine years into this, we have almost 100 female um, entrepreneurs and CEOs in the program. And what has happened is these women um, are a peer support network. They, are, um, they coach one another. They send business in each other's direction. And they are probably the first when there's an opportunity that they think fits in with one of the other winning women to say to somebody, you should talk to, you know, Cat. you should talk to this person um, because I really think she's the kind of business that can be helpful to you and interesting. So getting people connected into the right communities is incredibly important.
4: Carrie, I, I I love that. And Bonnie, this is, you know, something that's really, really important for folks who are listening and it is that mm-hmm. peer network. We heard it from Vivek Wadwa, right, who talked about this in his own experience coming to the Silicon Valley from India, um, not finding success so easy in terms of investment back in kind of the the early days of building Silicon Valley and creating those relationships with folks who looks like him thought like thing came from from where he came from and doing things like testing pitches out and introducing and did you know that peer network is so critically important and i love seeing women um, be able to support each other nicole Sahin, bonnie you right remember mm-hmm. was on a, one of sure. my shows she's one of um Y's um entrepreneur of the year um, finalists great programs and I see her living that kind of example in a pretty close city like Boston. Boston's a very tight community, amazing people, but it is hard the northeast to to break in and I see her doing that and I see her supporting efforts I do and I support her efforts and her bringing in all these wonderful entrepreneurs for her sixth fastest growing business in the US, right? Pretty incredible. So not it's not just a um an academic thing to look at. What Carrie is talking about is so important. It's so very real, and it's exciting. And we only get there
1: if we support each
4: other. The entrepreneurial ecosystem is very much a living organism.
1: You know, Patty, if I could just add one more thing to that. Please do, Carrie. I I think the other thing um, that Kat talked about is the lack of role models. Mm -hmm. And what we have come to say related to the winning women is they are the role models that they never had. So they are the role models for the next generation of entrepreneurs. They are, you know, out there doing great business, creating great things, and they are those beacons that that our younger women are looking for to say, oh, my gosh, I can do this because, look, she's done it. (laughs) That's
4: wonderful. Absolutely. And I
3: just want to chime in as as well as an UI entrepreneurial woman. I'm already seeing the benefit of that, uh, just seeing other alums of the program, um, seeing their successes and, and, and also the challenges that they went through that they, they share with each other is very helpful. Um, and so I think more programs like this need to exist. Uh, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, we talked about all the statistics. Uh, there are not enough women uh, achieving that $1 million milestone, which is so difficult. Um, only 6% of Men uh, or businesses owned by men reach that milestone. So speaking to generally how difficult it is to reach that milestone. Uh, But for women uh, in particular, uh,
0: there needs to be more support and and more access to capital um, to get there. Thank you all. Great back and forth. I didn't have to do a thing. I, I love it when a panel takes takes charge here. I have a quick quote. Uh, Patty, I want you to talk next about the Diana Project. I'm not sure we mentioned it, but I have a quote from one of the lead authors, Dr. Candida Brush. And she says, there is an enormous untapped investment opportunity for venture capitalists smart enough to look at the numbers and fund women entrepreneurs. And that's heading in the right place. Patty, can you tell us briefly about the Diana Project? Because you mentioned it in your notes, and so did Kat. And I'm wondering... Uh, do you have a relationship with them, or, or what is that all about? Carrie, you can probably
4: correct me um, where I'm wrong here, but the Diana Project um, comes from Babson and Ian and y and it focuses in on um, female entrepreneurs and kind of the state of. Um, we learned things from there. For example, female entrepreneurs pay themselves less than male entrepreneurs would pay themselves. Um, we see the, the number or percentage of external investors who are women, pretty low. I think it was, what is it, 4% or 6% um, versus male. And, and then how does that equate to what we get <laughs> for investing as, as women, which is around 4 or 5%. So it's, it was a study that was quite eye-opening um, around what is the state of the state when it comes to female high-growth
1: entrepreneurs and the ecosystem that,
4: that supports
1: them. Teddy, that's Thank right, you. and I had the the good fortune to moderate the panel when Candy released the second Diana report, because as mm-hmm. you know, this was an update from one that was done 10 or 11 years ago, yeah. and it was an interesting uh, launch, because on one hand, you could look at the numbers and say that the um, percentage of investment going to women-owned, percentage of venture capital going to women-owned businesses had um, you know, tripled but it's up to about six percent. So clearly there is a lot of money out there that is not uh, looking or is not investing in women-owned companies. And we did, in fact, um, on the panel when when the Diana project was launched, have a, a male venture capitalist, and it was really interesting because as we had the discussion, you could sort of see the penny drop. And when we finished, he said, you know what? I've never thought we needed to do anything specific to address this, but this has opened my eyes, mm. and we do need to look at this differently because these companies are creating great returns, and we're crazy um, if we're not investing in them. So, you know, this is all one small step at a time, um, but the the data is overwhelming uh, that we need to be investing in these companies.
4: Thank I love you. it. Sorry if yeah, I can just jump in there. So, yeah, please. Uh, there's Adam Clinton, who, Carrie, you might know, Kat, you might know, right, really good guy, um, like I said, investor. And he has this term, which I use all the time now. So in the Silicon Valley, there's always this, we're a meritocracy. And he uses this term, meritocracy, right? We <laughs> invest in people who look like ourselves, you know, when we look in the mirror. And and that is certainly a challenge or look like the people who everybody else invests in. and. What I love, Carrie, about what you just said is, you know, it's like anything when it comes to women in influential positions, there's so much research out there on the why, right? Why we should invest in them, why we should put them in boardrooms, why they should be in the C-suite. And I love the example you gave, which is we're starting to move from the why to the how. How do we change? What room should we be in that we are not in? What programs? What outreach? That is is exciting because that's when change happens, moving from the why to the how with the people who actually
0: have the purses. Really exciting. Thank you all. You know what? I, we have a few minutes left about 7 minutes and it does go fast before we go to our predictions crystal ball round. Patty Fletcher, I'm looking at your notes and here's something very provocative. We can't finish the show without covering this. I think you know what it is. The final statement in your list of notes to me. I'm just going to say, I'm quoting Dr. Patty Fletcher. Here we go. Women don't need to be fixed. Let's stop focusing on mentoring women to be like men. It's hard to do the time to do the hard work of cultural transformation, creating new mechanisms, new Structures, new cultural values that allow all talent to thrive. Patty, talk to me. Amen
4: to that. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, when I first started in this world, and I was a late comer, right, about a, a decade and a half ago, I was researching women who hold board of director positions in publicly held life sciences and technology businesses. And these were women who were either in the traditionalist or baby boomer generation, so a generation above or or two steps above me, and it was wonderful learning from them. And that's when I started really having my eyes opened to female entrepreneurs because many of them have gotten to where so few people have gotten to because they've taken these alternative paths. Um, including entrepreneurial, um, you know, their own startups. And listening to them and and the programs that were kind of emerging around them were programs where they essentially, and they talked about this themselves, where they would look around them and and go, okay, so I had to learn how to negotiate like a man. I had to learn how to lead like a man. Because those were the contexts. You had to be like a man, right? Not all men are... are (laughs) Are fit a particular profile, but it was certainly very gender. And what we're seeing now is that it's not about fixing the woman to be more like a man to or to, quite frankly, lead in a way that doesn't feel authentic. Instead, we turn that magnifying glass around and go, wait a minute, 50-something percent of the U.S. population are women, And most, um, I think around the globe, it's around 50%. We look at those numbers that Kat and Carrie talked about when it comes to the percentage of high-growth female entrepreneurs, and we think the constructs we have today do not fit the population and context that we have today in moving forward tomorrow. We have been focused on fixing the wrong thing. We have an ecosystem of or instead of an ecosystem of and. That's where we put our focus really important. So what we're seeing now is this growth of funds, um, angel investors, ecosystems that are focused like what e has that are focused in on, okay, so while we're fixing what's going on in the rest of the population, let's create our own. Let's focus in on those female entrepreneurs, how we get them faster from where they are to where they need to be in order to experience that high growth.
0: Really exciting stuff. Patty, Patty, what kind of an up, uphill battle is it going to be to to fix that ecosystem? This is Bonnie, and then we'll we'll have Carrie and Kat chime in. Patty, how oh, long is it going it to take? It
4: feels like you're, you're, you're chipping away, and sometimes it feels like you take twenty steps backwards. It, it's hard work. This is transformation.
1: Carrie, Sorry, talk so to two us. Two quick comments, Bonnie. Um, one, mm-hmm. you know, the World Economic Forum report at Davos says it's going to take one hundred and seventeen years. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of us is prepared to wait that long. There was nope. a really interesting <laughs> article um, that Sally Krocak from uh, Elevate, uh, published in the last couple of days, where she points out that you know, the key is we're in a capitalist society. Women have um, tremendous resources. We control something like $5 trillion of investable assets. We direct 80% of consumer spending. We're more than half the workforce. So the question is, what do we do with this? Um, and her suggestions include, obviously, investing in women, mentoring women, sponsoring other women, tech, talking up other women at work. Um, and so to Patty's point, this is not about fixing the women. This is about making sure that we're recognizing excellence when we see it, that we're promoting it, and that we are using our, um, our capital and our spending to support women.
0: Mm. Kat, let's talk to you. What do you think about the yeah. ecosystem? What have you experienced?
3: I think it's a great question, so I completely agree with everything everybody said so far. Um, As far as what we've experienced, we we were able to raise uh, capital. We raised $4.5 million uh, since founding the company, and actually uh, one of the lead investors is uh, Golden Seeds, which focuses on uh, female-led companies. So we definitely benefited from that, and I, I think it's extremely important um, to have more uh, funds that focus on uh, women-led businesses. Uh, there are just not enough of them. Only 7% of uh, investment partners and in VCs are women. It's, it's a very low percentage, and I'm hoping that will change. Uh, of course, it will take a long time, hopefully not 117 years, uh, but it is important to have women making decisions uh, as far as uh, investment.
0: Very interesting. While we were all talking, I just looked up Barbara Corcoran uh, from a waitress to real estate mogul in New York. I think she sold the Corcoran Group a couple of years ago. We had one of the people who work in the Corcoran Group on one of our shows. Patty, it might have been one of your early shows or one of the shows you did with me before your series. And Barbara says a woman should think like a man. And I remember she told on Shark Tank, she told one young woman who was crying because she wasn't getting her backing from the sharks. And Barbara said, you'll never get anywhere in business if you cry anyone to comment on that I'm not trying to throw Barbara Corcoran under the bus she's a smart woman <laughs> and she certainly invested in an awful lot of new startups and has a lot of money to spread around and seems to be extremely goal-oriented whether it's a woman entrepreneur or a man but any comment where she says a woman should think like a man Patty tackle this yeah you know I, I, I would love for Barbara to change we, I've had some
4: folks one in particular I'm thinking of from the Babson program have not a great interaction there and um, we need to move from a world of or to a world of and. Um, if I, I don't want to be inauthentic in my leadership and research shows that if I am, I'm not trusted and I'm not going to get anywhere anyway. So if it works for Barbara, I think that's wonderful, but it doesn't work for everybody else. So while it's easier for me to adapt my behavior versus changing um, the world around me, that might be have worked, but it's not going to work moving forward. It is changing a lot of the investment. I, I, I do have a hard time with that.
0: Yeah, I think she, I looked at the context. She was telling Christine Romans on one of the news uh, shows that this is how women should negotiate a raise if they're working for somebody else, but I think she means it in a broader sense, but we won't put her, we're not going to get her on the show, I'm sure, unless Patty or Carrie can get her to come up on Game Changers. My goodness, wouldn't that be a coup? Anyway, I'm sure she's busy supporting a lot of businesses around the world. We'll let her do that. So let's talk to Carrie McPherson. Carrie, it is time for our crystal ball predictions round. I'm going to give you each 60 seconds to see what you come up with so, Carrie. I'm loving the year 2020 because Barbara Walters ingrained it in my brain for years by saying 2020. I think you can all remember that on the TV show. And so I'm focused on that because it used to be something far off into the future, and now it's just three years and a couple weeks away. So why don't we use that as our, our goalpost for the predictions? You can say 2020 plus X number of years or before, but let's let's center them around there. What's going to change on this topic, Carrie McPherson, female entrepreneurs I- overcoming her Go ahead, 60 seconds. I think what's going to change um, between now and 2020 is the results of the
1: election last week I think have really made a lot of people sit up and take notice. And I think this will be the catalyst to create a lot of energy around a lot of things related to women. Uh, I think that will include women entrepreneurs. It will include women in business. It will include women in all walks of life. And I think as... As Sally Krawcheck suggested in her article, this is the time when we need to step up, we need to use our power, we need to invest, we need to spend um, and, and put our dollars where we care about what's going on. And so I think we're going to see a resurgence of uh, a lot of energy and focus around women, around women-owned businesses, and I think in 2020 we'll be in a much better place than we are today.
0: Thank you. I love that. Kat Vorotova, predictions, 60 seconds. Go.
3: Yeah, I completely agree with Carrie. I think there's going to be a lot more
0: energy uh,
3: regarding women, and I'm predicting that even more women-focused investment platforms and funds will actually arise by 2020. I think right now there are only a handful. Uh, I can count them on my hands. So I'm hoping by 2020 we, we double that number or triple or quadruple it.
0: Kat, quick question. Where's your business going to be in 2020? What, what will be new and exciting for Try the World? Just quickly, what do you see? Uh, we see ourselves as a global business by 2020, that's for sure. We'll be in
3: multiple countries and large economies delivering products from a number of different countries to anywhere in the world. Uh, that's definitely the goal, to, uh, to make it easier for people around the world to discover and shop for these amazing products. And everything is going in that direction. People are looking for more convenient Shopping Solutions for Food, it's the fastest-growing
0: segment uh, online right now, and uh, we are working to become an online leader in specialty food. Wonderful. Our money's behind you, my dear. Patty Fletcher, <laughs> what do you see? 60 Thank seconds. You. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it hit me
4: last year that I needed to stop talking about getting more women invested and start investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what Carrie had said was was actually in my notes as well, which is we're seeing an uprising from what some people feel is a pretty negative set of events last week. And that uprising isn't just with women, but it's in with men as well. So I do see people dipping into their purses and putting their money where their mouth is. I do think that will create a groundswell by 2020, and I think it's a global one, not just a national one. Um, We have a lot of work to do, so I'm under no illusions that this is
0: double-digit percentage point changes. But um, I am hopeful. I'm very, very hopeful. I'm glad you're hopeful, and I'm so hopeful I'm going to tell you all my exciting news. I have a minute to share it. Uh, we usually, at the end of the year, Coffee Break with Game Changers, my flagship series with listeners in over a 1,000 places around the world, we have an end-of-the-year prediction special where I invite guests who've been on all of our Game Changer shows. We had, oh, over 30 15 different series this year. Patty's was one of them. Invite them to come on and share a 15-minute segment, four people per 15 minutes, with two minutes of their predictions on whatever topic they want want related to business, technology, strategy, winning, whatever it is. I put the invitation out on Monday night at 9 p.m. By midnight, I had filled almost 50 of the slots. By Tuesday morning, I created another week, filled that one up. So the good news is we're going to do five weeks of predictions. It'll be December 7th and 14th, January 4th, 11th, and 18th. You're going to hear from 80 thought leaders from companies all over the world, a few from SAP, a few from some of our partners. I think we have EY in there and Deloitte and Accenture and all kinds of organizations. So I'm thrilled that we're going to be able to bring you this much. It was Those were two of our most popular shows this year, the 2016 predictions that happened in January. So that's a surprise looking forward and we're going to really, really get a lot of predictions out to you. So you're going to want to listen to that. So thank you, Carrie McPherson at EY Winning Women. Such a pleasure. And do a shout out, please, for me. Thank you to Lisa Schiffman, who originally was going to be our guest and pass the baton to you, Carrie. Please give her our regards. Kat Vorotova, all the best. I'm going to go look up your company and give it a try and see what I want to find out about food around the world. Patty Fletcher, always a pleasure. And Lisa Chalmers at SAP did a wonderful job putting together this panel and this topic. Lisa, big hugs to you and everybody. Happy holidays. And I'm just going to do my shout out here. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Carrie McPherson. Be like Kat Vorotova. Be like Daddy, Dr. Patty Fletcher. go out and be a game changer today have a great one bye bye
2: thanks again for tuning in to coffee break with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap to keep the coffee break conversation going tweet your questions and comments to twitter hashtag pound sign sap r-a-d-i-o Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.
1: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.